You know, sometimes when I want to start a sermon, I want to start off with, could I be honest with you? But that gives you the impression I haven't been honest with you already. But what I'm trying to say is, is that can I be frank with you? Frank is a little bit different because that is saying to you something that I probably may not have said before. And so I'm going to say it in a frank way. I, I personally feel, personally feel like asking for prayer for myself is the most self-serving thing that I can do. That's the way I feel. But it shouldn't be that way. I think that what I'm afraid of sometimes, if I said to you guys, I want you to pray for me, you'll say, well, what's going on? And if you don't know what's going on, you'll make up something, you know, that uh, could be going on, which probably isn't going on. But that's why I think pastors rarely ask for prayer unless there's some kind of exposed crisis. They can't, if everybody can see the crisis, he will say, well, we need to pray about this. But otherwise, we keep it to ourselves. That was not the case for Paul. What we're about to read here is that uh, that he's going to say, pray for me. Uh, This was not the case of the greatest preachers that were out there. Remember, the disciples, I don't think they knew what was going on the night that Jesus was betrayed. I don't think that they knew what was going on, but he grabbed some of them. He said, come with me. I want you to pray with me. And they fell asleep. They fell asleep because they didn't realize what the crisis was. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was called the prince of preachers. What he would claim and he would say that he didn't have two people as we ask for people to be praying in our prayer room while I'm preaching and while the worship service is going on. He had 200 people. They had an area below the church. And he had 200 people that were praying for him. Praying that the, that the, the word of God would really go out. And God did um, amazing things. But we should have understood that. We should have caught on to that because... When Jesus was throwing the money changers out of the temple, what did he say? He said, my father's house shall be called a house of what? Prayer. He didn't say it's going to be a house of preaching. He didn't say it was going to be a house of Bible study. He didn't say it was going to be a house of feeding the poor. He didn't say it was going to be a house of fellowship. All of those things are very important. But what he said was, it's going to be a house of prayer. So Paul blatantly ask for prayer and he's not ashamed to do so Uh, and i will say this folks it is always a crisis that people don't recognize the crisis is is whether or not the word of god is going to have an effectiveness in the lives of people there's always a crisis that is going on so we pray paul writes in romans chapter 15 verse 30 He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. You can see very unapologetically Paul asked for prayer. And asking for prayer is a humbling experience. It is a humbling experience because it says, I can't do this on my own. In fact, is I can't even do this on my own prayers. I need to have you praying as well. Preachers need the prayers of people. But I will also say this. All of God's servants need the prayers of others. 
But what happens to us when we come to a time of prayer, even in our Sunday school classes? What do we generally have? We have people saying, well, I need to pray for so-and-so's health. And we stop it right there. So-and-so was in a car wreck. So-and-so had a stroke. So-and-so, whatever it might be. And we stop it right there. We don't get to those things that we really have that are sometimes concerning even more than those things are. We rarely have someone say, you know what? Would you pray for my child? My child is way away from the Lord, not walking with the Lord whatsoever. And, and would you pray? And you know the reason is because somewhere down deep in our own hearts, you know what we believe? It's our fault. But I, let me say this to you parents. If you've got a child that's not following the Lord, we didn't raise robots. They make their own decisions. You do exactly what you need to do, but you can do nothing more than that. So you should be able to say to others, pray for my child. My child is away from the Lord. My child needs Jesus. That shouldn't be a problem for us. We need to be able to say, which we rarely would say, you know what happens most of the time? If you have marital problems, the person stops coming to church. They don't come and say, pray for me and my wife. My wife left me or my husband left me. We quit going to church is what we do. And it shouldn't be that way. Because somewhere down deep, you know what we think? It must have been our fault. It isn't your fault all the time. It's not your fault. It could be some of it. But you know what? Even if it is your fault, you ought to ask for prayer. For example, some of you might say, I'm in financial difficulty. And it might be because I, you know, I didn't use my money right. But quite frankly, it's still okay to say, help me in this process by praying for me so that, so, so that God will change, maybe change me in the process. And so we do it. So what happens when we have, we have prayer requests? We have organ recitals. Organ recitals go like this. We pray for this person's kidneys and this person's heart and this person's liver. And, you know, that's what we're doing. It's an organ recital, reciting the organs that are in our bodies. So when I was preparing this, I realized how I have been negligent in asking for the prayers of others. Paul would ask for it. Why shouldn't I? I'm going to give you seven things you can pray for me. And here's what I'm going to say to you. If one of these things or some of these things are something you need others to pray for, you put a little check by your list there. You put a little check there by that, by this list, and you see if maybe what we have here is something that you need others to pray for as well. And you need to express that to people in your Sunday school class, to other believers around you. You express that. First thing I would say is, I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I have a responsibility, and each of us has a responsibility, by the way, not just simply because I'm a preacher, but each of us has a responsibility to other people. But my verse on this is found in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and that's what I need. The Spirit of the Lord to be upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. 
to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the joy of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And how does that happen? Those, all of those things that should happen there, they happen because the Holy Spirit is upon the person who is to proclaim that. Do you realize what church should be? It should be that you have a preacher, the Spirit is on them, and there are things that are happening here because it should be that you give good news, that, that you bind up the brokenhearted, that there, there is liberty to the people that are under captive of, of maybe a sin or maybe an addiction that is there. You know, and the opening up of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor upon you. There should be joy that comes out of it because there is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to hear this. I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, and maybe you need to check that too. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, and when I read that, I said, you know, I can't think anybody doesn't need wisdom, but here's the way it is. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. You know, folks, I need wisdom. I am not wise on my own. I I would like to tell you I'm a wise guy all by by myself. I am not. I make lots of mistakes, and I do a lot of sinful things, but I I make a lot of mistakes. A mistake, the difference between a mistake and a sin, mistake is I'm trying to get it right, uh, right and I get it wrong. That's the lack of wisdom. The sin is I knew it was wrong and I did it anyway. You understand? There's a difference between the two. But quite frankly, I, I make a lot of mistakes because I don't have the wisdom to make the right decisions, and I need wisdom to make the right decision. Third, I need the Lord's leading I don't need to listen to every preacher that is out here that says this is the way you're supposed to do church. Then I don't need to, to get out there and, and say and just follow those individuals as if I'm kind of a, you know, a, a sycophant of those preachers. And so he just goes on, does whatever they do. I do what they do. I need the Lord's leading. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I need my path to be straight, folks. Fourth, I, I need determination. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've been so frustrated that I've said, I ought to just quit. I ought to just quit. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. And what I'm saying is, is that there's sometimes I just want to get out of the race and I want to give up. And what I need is for people to pray for me. And by praying for me, you're like one of those. Have you ever seen those races where a person has run as about as far as they can? And somebody goes out there and grabs a hold of them and helps them cross the finish line. I need, sometimes I need you to drag me across the finish line. That's the honest to goodness truth there. I need that determination. I need hope. I need hope. Romans fifteen thirteen says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. 
There are times that I just need to see that God is still working and I have a hope that he is going to bring it to completion. I need to hope in that. And I lose that sometimes. I need the word of God. I need the word of God. You know, when he's talking about the righteous man, Psalm 1-2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And, his, and on his law, he medit- meditates day and night. You see, this is the word of God. This is the word of God right in front of me right here. And there are times that what I want to do is, is that I, I'd like to do what the world tells me that it ought to do. Sometimes I'd even like to do what, you know, there are some preachers that are out there. They've already determined what God's word has said. So they don't actually read God's word to see what it's saying. What they've done is they've already decided that. And what I'd like to say, I'd like to go along with those guys. I'd like to go along with them and say what they're saying because it's so much easier to stay in the crowd that says what they're saying than it is to find out what God's Word really says. And I really need the Word of God. I need to be able to know where I stand and where I need to stand and not to deviate from that, not to move from that in any way. I need the Word of God to be rooted down inside of me. And then number seven, I need to be emptied of myself. I need to be emptied of myself. It is so easy to be full of myself sometimes. You know, in in those occasions when I say, oh man, I did a good job there. You know what happens to me? I fill up with myself. And I realize, you know what, I need to be emptied of that. If there is any good that has happened because of me, it's not because of me, it's because... Because the Lord Jesus Christ is here. It's because the Holy Spirit has inhabited me. It's not because of me. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, if you will pray those seven things for me, I promise you, I will fight you on every one of them. Does that sound funny? Because my flesh wants to have nothing to do with that. But my spirit can't have it any other way. I want you to pray for me in those things because my flesh says, you don't want that stuff. I absolutely must have it. Prayers for God's servants should be done by the Lord Jesus Christ. They should be found in the will of the Lord. They should be covered with his love. You know, I, I told you this story some time back, but I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it again. There was a pastor that I knew that he was, I thought he was full of himself. I thought he was arrogant. I thought he was, I mean, I'd be very honest with you. I didn't like the guy. And I got convicted because, you know, you shouldn't, where in the Bible does it say it's okay for you not to like a lot of people, you know? And so what I did was, is that I said, I got convicted and I said, I'm going to start praying for that guy, you know? And so I began to pray for him and I prayed for him at least once a day, if not twice a day for a while. And I was, I was praying for this guy. And the most amazing thing happened. I started to see his good qualities. I started to, I started to fall in love with the man. Can you imagine that? 
I started to fall in love with the guy. And then I started to appreciate his ministry. And I began to appreciate what he was preaching. And I began to pray for his church and that they would, they would be blessed enough. And the things that happened, and it changed my heart on the inside. The love of Jesus for that man began to inhabit me. And I said, I need to do that. And I realize now that if I have any trouble with you, in other words, if I come up to you and I say I'm praying for you, it means I'm having trouble, you know. Not really, not really. What I'm saying is, is that that's what happens when you love the Lord Jesus Christ and he loves that person and you pray for them. Prayers for God's servants should be done by the love of the Spirit. And when we, we look, it says, what does the love of the Spirit, what does that, that mean? It says, let, let's look at what the Holy Spirit does and let's see if that's what we need to be praying for that individual. The Holy Spirit is the helper that comes along beside us. That's what the scripture says. When you look in John chapter 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But you see, the problem with that is, is that if you just stop right there, you won't have the strength to do what you just said that you were going to do out of the love that you have for Jesus. Because he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He helps us do what Jesus has commanded. The only reason we lack the power to do what Jesus has commanded, and you don't have the power to do what Jesus has commanded, by the way, it's because the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit works within you to walk along beside you and help you in this. And there's a power that is there. Years ago, I talked with a a minister who had been caught in an affair. And I, in my conversation, you know what he said? He said, I was surprised they'd fire me over this. And, and I thought, you mean you were able to minister and not realize you didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit? You're probably a pretty good minister, but quite frankly, you're doing that all on your own. What could you have done if it had been the Holy Spirit had been in you? He was operating without the power. And yet he was not even recognizing that he didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit in him. And I, and I thought, they, got, they fired you because you're powerless. You don't get it. You're powerless and you don't even know it. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the words that we are to say to others. In John chapter 15, verse 26, it says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. I have done a lot of evangelism programs and in the Baptist we seem to have every few years we have the evangelism program that is going to beat all other evangelism programs and we're never going to need another evangelism program but what I have never seen is a evangelism program that depends upon the strength the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and I think that the reason that we, we don't realize that we are so powerless when we, we're sharing our faith is we don't have the right words. We don't have the right words because we don't, have the, the, we don't have the Holy Spirit as our leader in this. We ought to put the emphasis not so much in the memorizing of Scripture. There's nothing wrong with memorizing Scripture. 
But we should put the emphasis not on the plan of getting you there, but the, but the Holy Spirit leading us and giving us the words to say. I remember a college student many, many years ago. He told me of going on a mission trip. On this mission trip, uh, he realized that he was not a believer. And so he went back to the dorm room and he got down on a bunk beside his bed and he, and he prayed that he would receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He, the moment that he got up from that, I mean, the spirit had to be leading there. There was nobody there around him. There was no preacher preaching to him. He went in there and he does this on his own. And, and he, the moment he gets up, this other student comes in, thought he was sick. And comes to check on him and say, I wonder how you're doing. He just, so he tells the other student, he says, look, I'll tell you what I just did. Holy Spirit, you know, did the deal. And you know what that other student said? I need to do that too. And he led his first person to the Lord 30 minutes after he became a believer himself. How did that happen if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? What a training. It was, it was a Holy Spirit thing. Gave him the words to say. The Holy Spirit is the one who will teach us God's word. John 14, 26 says, but, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. I've told you several times I can't preach other people's sermons. It's not because they're not great sermons. and It's not because they weren't led by the Holy Spirit to preach those sermons. It's because I have to be led by the Holy Spirit to preach the sermons that God has given me. Oh yeah, I've gotten some points and I've gotten some of the message, but it's not their message that I can preach, you see, because I have got to have that understanding. I've got to have him indwell in me to be able to do this. Because if the, preach, if the scriptures are preached and they're only taught by man, they're no more powerful than a fable. That's all they are. They're like a fable instead of the Word of God, which what is what they really are. And, and, and I pray that God's servants will listen to the Holy Spirit as... As he explains the scriptures to them. And then we can share that with other people. The Holy Spirit is the power that comes upon us to become witnesses. Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we often get charisma and Holy Spirit power mixed up. We see a preacher, we say, oh, look how God is blessing there. And, and many times it's just plain old charisma. A person has an incredible ability of charisma. I, I have to say this, if you look at me and if you know me at all, you know that it's not charisma. If there's anything that's going on, it's because it's the Holy Spirit. Because I just don't have it. Never have had it, never will have it, I'd have to say this. But I can say that you will pray that God's servants will be full of the power of the Holy Spirit as opposed to charisma in our humanity. The Holy Spirit is the one who gifts us with the means of making disciples. We're gifted. God gifts us for the purpose of making disciples. 1 Corinthians 12.4, and i just read that. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And out of that same Spirit, there are many gifts that come out of this. Nobody has them all. I tried to say when I first became a preacher, I wanted, to, I wanted that gift of prophecy so bad. I mean, I wanted to be that prophet. A prophet is a person who takes the Word of God and, is, and he just gives it to the people. And he doesn't care what anybody thinks and doesn't, you know, and, and you know what, folks? When you don't have the gift of prophecy and you try to act like you've got the gift of prophecy, you're just cruel. That's all you are. You're just cruel. And I was just cruel. I was a cruel preacher. 
and really hurt people in the process. And what I realized is that I don't have the gift of prophecy. I have the gift of teaching. And let me say this, folks. And when I realized I have the gift of teaching and I just, I just went back to teaching, you know, I had a fulfillment in the ministry. We should be fulfilled by the fact of the, of the scripture, of, of the gifts rather that we have. So our prayer for God's servants is also a struggle. You know, when Paul wrote here, he said, he said, to strive together with me. There are times when I am struggling to preach. You see, there's sometimes when I know my sermon's bad. I know you know it's bad, but I know it's bad. I remember Anthony Coppola one time saying that some lady yelled out one time while he was preaching, help him, Jesus. And, you know, I, I want you to say that, but not out loud, if you don't mind. Uh, I don't know if my ego would take you yelling out loud, help him, Jesus. But that word strive there, let me give you the word, the Greek word for it. The word is soon agonizomai. And the reason I say that word, because can you hear the word agony in there? Agonizomai. Agony. It means that there is a, a straining that is going on. In a physical sense, it would be when the, the muscles would burn. You understand when you've exercised and the muscles burn? It means that you pray more fervently. When you see nothing happening, you pray fervently. When you see something happening too as well. But in this case, it is, it is praying in such a way that there is a struggle. There's obviously not easy to do that. There's never been a revival a true revival without prayer. There's never been a true revival without people who are struggling. Maybe they're praying for their preacher. Maybe they're praying for others, but they're praying. And what they're doing is, is that revival breaks out, not because that the preacher got that good, but because they, and and it just wowed the people, but because they were humble spirits of God who were covered up by prayer. Let me finish this scripture here. Verse 31, Romans fifteen thirty-one. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Here's what he's he's saying. I have two pressing issues that are on me. All of these things are there, but I have two pressing issues. He said, first, the unbelieving Jews wanted his life. He's going back to Jerusalem. Where is going to be the most unbelieving Jews? It's going to be in Jerusalem. He's going back basically into into the lion's den. He's going back into a place that they would like to get rid of him. So he has to pray, you know, just get me preserved through this. Get me through this moment here. Pray that that will happen. But then there's another side of this. He is going to take a gift that he has collected from the Gentile churches. You understand? The Gentile churches. And he is going to bring it to the Jewish believers there. And he doesn't know if they'll accept it. He doesn't know if they'll... When he's collected this money, he's going to bring it to these... these, Jewish believers, they're going to say, we aren't going to accept anything that comes from Gentiles. They would still think it was wrong. So he's saying, pray that they will accept my gift. You see, the thing is, is that he knows that he needs the grace of God, but God does not give his grace a day early. 
God gives you his grace the day that you need it. It's always going to be that way. And so he's saying, pray for me to have God's grace in this situation. And he said, because I can't promise you, is what he's trying to say, that even the godly people in this church might not do something ungodly. Because godly people sometimes do ungodly things. But then Paul's desire is like every one of God's servants. God's servants want to come with joy rather than misery. I can tell you, I would like for you to come to church every time in joy rather than misery, more than, more than obligation or anything else. God's servants want to be refreshed by the ministry. I'll talk to you about that in a couple more weeks, but the, quite frankly, is that when you are led by the Holy Spirit, when you are waiting upon the Lord, when you are or seeing God work within you, within you and outside of you, you are refreshed and there's new joy and there's a new, there's a new presence of God that comes into your life. It's just amazing then to them. And God's servants want to convey peace. Not chaos, but peace. And I believe... This is what happens when God's servants are prayed for.